Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. Joining me is my partner, Andrew Malcolm, the prince of Twitter, if a prince can be said to have a partner, um, and of course, the regent of Red State, which probably also doesn't necessarily work with the partner thing either, but that's okay, because Andrew is such a nice guy that he allows me to come along for the ride. At yeah, yeah. Come on to it. yeah, 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 yeah. So, all right, yeah. partner, partner and sire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's good to be back. Good to be back. Yeah, it's great to it's great to be back. Uh, you know the 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 top story I think the top media story this week is also just the top story, right? Which is that the lab leak theory, which uh, you know the the um, CDC, the NIH, the NIAID, and pretty much every mainstream media outlet spent three years insisting was nothing more than a conspiracy theory, um, a tinfoil hat explanation for how COVID originated turns out to have been the conclusion reached by the Department of Energy and the FBI. The FBI almost two years ago came to the conclusion that COVID leaked from the lab. And we are starting to find out also at the same time that Anthony Fauci um, lied about a study that he commissioned. He claimed he had no connection to the study. He actually commissioned a study to disprove, and I'm using scare quotes here, disprove the lab leak theory in February of 2020, which is just when COVID was was arriving on America's shores. Now, Andrew, I have a theory about this, as you might imagine, and I'm sure that I'm going to get the tinfoil hat rating on this from mainstream media outlets, but what the hell were they doing trying to disprove a theory (laughs) at the very beginning of this thing? That wasn't widely known. That wasn't widely known then. Yeah. What's your theory? I'm intrigued. My theory on this, and wait a minute, I have to get that 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 background shot, you know, where there's yarn all over the place, because I'm sure people are going to accuse me of this, but just the same. The reason why they were trying to get out ahead of this is because Francis Collins and Anthony Fauci, but primarily Francis Collins, had made the decision to restart funding for gain-of-function research in December 2017. There had been a three-year moratorium on this up to that point in time, uh, based in large part because scientists, bioscientists working in the field said, it's too dangerous. You're going to create a pandemic out of this uh, at some point because the, the lab safety protocols fail from time to time. And we have outbreaks that come out of labs. And so in the Obama administration, I'll give credit to the Obama administration here. They looked at this report from the Cambridge Working Group and they said, you know, you know we, maybe we should stop doing the funding for this. Well, three years later, Francis Collins restarts it in December of 2017 over the objection from the same scientists who again predicted at the time, you're going to create a pandemic. One one day you're going to end up creating something that gets out of the lab and it's going to spread all over the world. 23 months later, <laughs> well, let me, let me back up. Francis Collins removes the moratorium. Anthony Fauci starts sending grant money to EcoHealth Alliance and who knows who else that directly funded the Wuhan uh, Institute of Virology in this gain-of-function research work. A year later, the State Department comes back to everybody and says this Wuhan Institute of Virology has all sorts of problems with its level four biosafety protocols. They're not following them. They're not trained for it. They don't have enough personnel. And we really need to take a step back and, you know, rethink our partnership in these things. It's all on the record, by the way. 
This is, and this is all on the record prior to February, 2020. This is, none of this was, was secret. It was actually public record. Um, they ignore it. They keep funding it. They don't do anything about it. And in, in less than two years after they left the moratorium, of course, in November of 2019, uh, all of a sudden scientists at the Wuhan Institute of Virology got sick and COVID-19 spread around the world after epicentering in Wuhan. Three months after that, you've got Fauci who's trying to get ahead of this by saying, oh, I've got a study that says it couldn't have been a lab leak. Now, jeez, oh, what a my snake. Theory, my theory on this <laughs> I don't think it's out. I actually don't think it's a tinfoil hat uh, conspiracy theory at all. Is that Fauci knew that if it came out that this was a lab leak, then everybody would point the finger back at Collins and back at Fauci for conducting gain of function research over the objections of scientists who understood what the dangers were. Now, Government officials covering shit up doesn't surprise me, but the national media is supposed to ask these questions, and instead the national media went along with this yeah. and and for for three years treated this as a nut job conspiracy theory, even while the FBI had already concluded that, that was the likeliest explanation. Amazing. Now, who's this Francis guy? Francis Collins. You've you've seen him. He's um, about the same age as Fauci, I think. He was the uh, director of the National Institutes of Health. Oh. And you would see Collins on, this, on stage with Fauci, sometimes in place of Fauci, sometimes Fauci was in place of him. Technically speaking, Collins was Fauci's boss. I don't know if it really worked that way, but organizationally, yeah. Collins was at, the top of the, uh, was at the top of the chain at NIH. You know, when it first came out, I didn't know about the study, but when it first came out, it seemed pretty credible to me. I mean, I never, I never bought into the conspiracy craft because it seems like that would be the most likely thing. The people playing right. around with it. And my question was, why are they playing around with this stuff? So, if Obama's administration stopped it, did Trump allow it? Well, I don't think Trump knew about it. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's famously kind of disengaged from the process, right? And I, I mean, I don't even think that necessarily. Obama was engaged in this until oh. the working group, you know, spoke up and said this, this, and I don't know if that Obama made that decision on his own. Um, excuse me. It may have been somebody, you know, maybe in the, you know, health and human services secretary looked at this and said, uh, you know, we don't want this, you know, the last thing we want is to be blamed for a um, global pandemic. So maybe we should listen to these guys. Um, Jeez. All I can say is that in, in Obama's administration, that warning was heeded. And in Trump's administration, it was not, and likely because he just assumed that these guys knew what they were doing. Yeah. What is the rationale behind gain of function? All right. This And this is going to sound stupid because it pretty much is. And this is what the Cambridge Working Group kind of said as well. The purpose of gain of function research is to try to get ahead of the mutation in a virus um, that isn't around that isn't um being you know isn't uptaking with human populations yet so that you can develop some sort of you know vaccine defense. Or, or or defense against it when it does cross over <laughs> the problem is especially with this one is that it wasn't crossing over and so they spliced a um they spliced a specific um genetic sequence in it to force it to 
cross over so they can make it work. I mean, they were playing around with this thing for a while. And so it was, what would be the, what would the defense be a vaccine? Yeah, a, a vaccine, therapeutics, that type of thing. And unintended consequences. Yeah. Well, absolutely. I mean, this is this is classic mad scientist type of stuff. Right. And the Cambridge Working Group said the same thing. They said there's nothing that you get out of gain of function research that's worth the risk. You can get similar results with, you know, obviously more effort put into other other directions. This is a shortcut you shouldn't take. And they were proven very, 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 very much. All the people who died and suffered because of it. Yes. And this is what they were trying to avoid. This is what Fauci and Collins and the other people in that um in in that uh, medical establishment, not, and not everybody in the medical establishment, but I mean, that's what Fauci and Collins were trying to avoid was accountability for this. You know, Dr. Robert Redfield, who was the director of the CDC until I think just after Biden took office, when he left, he said, and even before he left, but when he left, he def- he was telling uh, reporters the lab leak is. The is probably what happened. That's what I believe happened, and it's because they were doing gain of function research in that laboratory, and and was trying to warn people, <laughs> we need to stop doing this type of stuff. And he got shouted down as a Trumpian toady over it. Even though Redfield wasn't really a Trump guy, I mean Redfield was also around forever in the medical, you know, government medical bureaucracy. Well, once uh, again, the. Uh... The constitutionally protected media watchdogs uh, are asleep at the switch. Yeah, well, that brings us to something that you talked about today. And I thought that this is uh, this was a good run up to something that I think is an interesting trend. And you talked about it today on Twitter, which was the uh, the death of or the near death. It's not dead yet, but the near death of the daily. Right. The, the, yeah. the daily what we've been kind of jokingly referring to as the dead tree edition of newspapers that shows up on your doorstep yeah. uh, for good, for all sorts of uses. We say fish wrap, that that's back in the days of, you know, H salt. Fish and chips. My family used it to, uh, to on the bottom of a uh, parakeet cage. Yes. You no, know, that, that's another fine use for it. I personally liked using it for kindling, uh, you know, for my, yeah. for my fireplace. Yeah. Um, couple of people who re- responded to your tweet said that they you know they use it for uh you know their their charcoal grills all yeah. of which is true but there was i mean there's more value to it than that. yeah no it's it, the it's a long story but i'll try to keep it shorter it newspapers print newspapers got very arrogant for a long period of time because they were mainly monopolies in big cities and they didn't advance. They were late to the internet. They were late to all sorts of things. And they were very cocky and confident in the superiority of their news business. Not in response to readers, but because they were telling readers what was important. Uh, I had a um, I had a, an editor in a print editor in a meeting where I was reporting on the uh, top of the ticket blog when we when I was running that at the LA Times. Right. And he said, Malcolm, you mean to say you would actually publish a story because you think people would want to read it? And I said, you bet your sweet ass, John. Uh, how's the Sunday circulation going? Uh, because they printed stuff 
for two reasons. The secret reason was to show that they worked that day, that the reporter at City Hall covered some meaningless story, wrote it up, the editor and editor, not the editor, but a copy editor edited it, and they published it. And people going through the paper the next day, there might have been five or six people who actually read it. Most of them would turn to that page and go, oh, uh, a city council staffer said such and such. Who cares? And the other reason was because they were acting like pharmacists uh, in their white coat, their journalist white coat, handing out the news of the day every morning, and people lined up to get it. Yep. So did I. So did my family, my parents for generations, my family. Uh, my grandfather got the telegraph uh, in, um, in Toronto, which is now also dead. Um, and they were very comfortable and as a monopoly and slow to change. All of a sudden, the internet came along, a million sources of, new, of information and news for people, most of them free, most of them aimed to please readers, to interest readers in right. clicking on them to get the clicks that produce the revenue. So they were, as we were doing on top of the ticket, with headlines that intrigued people to click, uh, stories that were fun, as opposed to stories that you had to read or felt or that they felt you should read. Well, right. You know, people aren't into that anymore, especially when there's an alternative, an interesting alternative that's constantly changing and updating and fighting and fun. Um, and then you look at the business model. Okay, so you cut a tree down in Canada, you chip it in the tiny, minute flex. You make it into paper, into newsprint. You put it on a ship or a train, and it weighs like two and a half tons, and you put it on a ship or a train, you bring it into the city, which isn't the easiest thing in the world. You, right. put, it on a, you put it on a truck, you haul it to a printing plant, you roll it off, you have these multi-million dollar presses that are very complex, complicated, you feed the paper into the press. You print it. Um, right nowadays, in 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 Los Angeles, you the news you get on Thursday morning was the news at six p.m. Wednesday night on television. Yeah. Well, who wants that old? But you print it up anyway. You put it on other trucks. You take it out to the suburbs to hubs individuals who are getting pennies for each paper they deliver pick it up in their old toyota and they drive it around and most of the time they get to every house and then you pay for that well there's a i mean people that are looking at this just got online and clicked that's it and there was no cost to them to get to um our conversation uh, you just can't support that business model. New, uh, advertisers have been fleeing. Um, and that's when the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal was first, but the New York Times has figured it out on a larger scale of monetizing the internet. Now they have something like 10 million online subscribers. And look, you, we can disagree, and we, we usually do every week, on the coverage that they give. Uh, but our democracy needs a functioning, honest, I emphasize honest, media 
that will report a common set of facts, facts, not narratives, so that we can all learn from them, debate it, and what have you. Now, people are left with picking what narrative they want to follow. May or may not be true. Uh, I mean, you have the President of the United States saying the economy is strong as hell. And then you have then you have 10, 18,000 people getting laid off at different uh, at different large firms. Uh, it's. Well, politicians so I, have lied. So I'm, I mean, no, they, they but, always but lie, but not so blatantly. You'd have to catch them at it. Right. Biden comes out and it's just whole cloth, just whole cloth made up. And nobody blows the whistle or very few blow the whistle. Um, and none in the mainstream media in Washington because they don't want to risk their access to a guy that's not always telling them the truth. Well, and I would also add, right, that the media would call them out. Um, and they would call them out fairly equally, or at least it seems so, but it has hardly been the case. There there were tens of thousands of fact checks against Donald Trump in the in the mainstream media. There's very, very few that yeah, will do it. Exactly. And you know that goes back a ways. When um, when um, when Reagan came in, and then George H. W. Bush, the media suddenly discovered the homeless problem again. Yeah, and, right. and 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 uh, and then when Clinton comes in, it goes away. Uh, it's Biden came lot, in. Lot, yeah, 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 exactly. Well, yeah. It's a, a lot of the bias that we talk about and that we see so blatantly in the narratives. Um, there's there's a pre-bias that comes before, which is what are you going to cover in the first place? And remember the two years where nobody covered Hunter's laptop? Well, you know, I mean, that's Russian disinformation. Who said that? I mean, yeah. There's another there's another conspiracy theory that was phony. Um, so it's disappointing. It's it's devastating uh, to the the what's the word uh, to the common communications that yeah. uh, that our democracy is supposed to have. And so you have to get it piecemeal. And I don't think people um, have realized the responsibility that's put on them because of the internet to. Find new sources, different sources, tr trustworthy sources uh, to follow regularly. They just find one that's entertaining or interesting or agrees with them, and they follow it. And they don't triangulate to get what's really true. You know, it's interesting too when we talk about the you know the the, the dead tree versions, right, and and how they were used. I was fortunate. A lot of people in America in the last, even in the last 70, 80 years, right? Even prior to the internet thing, uh, most of the people lived in a place where there was only one newspaper. Yeah, right? right. In Los Angeles, when I was growing up, there was at least three majors. Yeah. Okay. And you could, in the greater Los Angeles area, I should say, one was the Santa Ana Register, which is the one that we normally would subscribe to. Um, it's now the Orange County Register. And it's it's always been a sort of a conservative libertarian uh, bent at the uh, OC register, Santa Ana register. Um, their main competitor was Los Angeles Times. And um, and then there was also the Los Angeles Herald Examiner, which was sort of a little bit more wilder and woollier, right? 
Herald yeah. Examiner was a little bit, I wouldn't call it a tabloid, but it was a little bit more tabloidy. Plus there were, there were more localized, um, um, uh, newspapers. I'm trying to remember, I think it was the, um, there was one in Long Beach. There was another in Newport Beach, both of which were good newspapers, actually. And, if, you know, if you had an opportunity to pick them up, right. and read, you realize they were good newspapers. But this it kind of leads me back to what I think we're seeing now. And it, and this came up because there was a uh, a little kerfuffle when um, a I think it was New Jersey dot com or NJ dot com um, laid off their White House correspondent. Um, and uh, uh, I could be wrong. It might've been a different New Jersey newspaper, but it was definitely a New Jersey newspaper, major New Jersey newspaper laid off their white house correspondent and Chris Christie and Phil Murphy both said it was horrible. You know, they're under going to underserve uh, New Jersey uh, residents, but truly New Jersey residents who want to see what's going on in Congress. Cause I think actually it wasn't a white house correspondent. I think it was a congressional correspondent. Uh, can there's all sorts of different ways that you can look that stuff up. Yeah. I think, I think what newspapers are shifting to and have been shifting to, and I'm talking about just the newspapers now um, is hyper-local coverage because that's the only unique yeah. um, com news commodity that they can manage, right. Is local news. Now the New York times, Washington post, they have national scope. Los Angeles times has national scope, but uh, the press telegram, is uh, it was I think it was the Long Beach Press Telegram is is what I'm yeah. thinking. Um, you know the Press Telegram, the uh, the the pilot in uh, Newport, the Daily Pilot in Newport Beach, they were hyper local. You know they they might pick up some wire service stuff on national stuff, but even back then in the 70s and 80s when I was reading them more regularly, they were really all about what was going on locally because they understood that that was their niche. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's you're going to see all these paper dailies going back to being hyper local because that's the only way that they're going to be able to survive. They're going to report on local news and leave the national news to the internet stuff, yeah, right? Yeah. The, all the stuff that you just got done saying. There was great resistance to going more national on the New York Times, which is now that's that's their bread and butter. Right uh, back back in the eighties. And their national edition was way too much New York. They thought, oh, well, everybody wants to know about New York. No, not, not at all. Yeah, very few people care about the New York Yankees outside of New York. Um, and they finally got a guy in there who was the former national news editor who made the national edition into a national edition. And it was greatly reduced the... Uh, uh, the the New York the New York News, um, and I don't see the New York Times uh, newspaper anymore. I haven't for years, uh, so I know they do pay attention to some local news, but right, but not not like those that made it their bread and butter, right. Uh, and you know, to be honest, I I subscribe on online to the digital New York Times. <clears throat> Not because there's, I, I don't care about anything in New York City. I do it for the foreign news coverage, which has no narrative. It's very professional, very factual, and uh, especially on Ukraine. I mean, they've got photographers in Bakhmut. Uh, they've got reporters uh, in the trenches. Uh, and uh, uh, 
so you you're getting real stuff you're not getting uh abc's shortened version of what somebody said uh in a russian blog so right. um uh so and I, and that's that that would be the least local news <laughs> the foreign news but that they're really very good at it and there is no narrative um it's 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 more factual on the, on the foreign staff. I was on the foreign staff, so I know how they run it. But it's sad. It really is, and it's it's it could, long term. It's disastrous. Uh, uh, and I don't know. There will be some way that America and its industries work it out, but I can't imagine at the moment what it would be. Well, yeah, um, I don't know either. I, I, you know, I, I, and I think that the answer is, is that me, is diversification. Yeah. Local media needs to be local. National media can focus on, on national, right? And all of them should be doing a better job than they are. <laughs> yeah, right. And not buying into the, the narrative that uh, Hunter's laptop is Russian disinformation, that, that it's a tinfoil hat thing on the Wuhan lab. Uh, all that that kind of crap. If you do your own legwork, uh, you'd find out that there's some real credibility to it. And it took the New York Times, the Washington Post, two years to do it. And when they did it, they sort of backed into it because they were trying to cover their butts. Um. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, and, and again, I think that I think that this is all a part of the sort of the credibility demolition of the media and this thing with Fauci and the, the lab. Oh, leak. That's just that's and, insidious. And the, yeah. The other parts of this is just, it's, it's propaganda. And there was another report today too, that, um, that uh, Fox news had that they, they have a source within CNN. They claim, right. I mean, this is Fox and CNN's a competitor. So I don't think they'd make this up, but, I don't know who, what the quality of the source was either. It's like, oh, this guy cleans offices at night at CNN. Yeah, yeah. Well, right, right. <laughs> I mean, anonymous sourcing, you got to be careful with anonymous sourcing. You got to be very careful, yeah. But they claim that their anonymous source within CNN says that Jeff Zucker told people within CNN that he did not want them investigating the lab leak theory because it was a narrative that was designed to boost Trump or would boost Trump. It was a narrative that would boost Trump. And this is you know, early in the pandemic in 2020 and Zucker didn't want to give any news that might boost Trump's standing. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's just that's, corrupt. It's corrupt. It's not even, it is, it's biased. totally corrupt, totally yeah. corrupt and biased. And there, there has always been some fudging. Uh, if you were writing about a charity in New York city, that was, um, uh, a favorite of the publisher, you're not going to investigate them and talk about groping at their banquet. Um, yeah. Uh, but that was small scale stuff it, that that didn't matter. But now it that's happening on a big scale. Well, we wouldn't want to say that. So let's craft the narrative that uh, it had something to do with uh, nefarious Trump activities. Right. And and that way, well, and the, and the plus to that is that Trump gets more clicks. I mean, that's just that's a given. Yeah, uh, he's a showman. And uh, uh, so they can argue it. Well, people want to read it. Yeah, well, but 
it's just, it's just, you know, I mean, no, I don't, probably nobody cares, but uh, you know, I spent 55 years in the media and I, and to see it, um, get covered with this green scum, like a such stagnant pond. It's just, it's very yeah. disheartening. It's, it's, it's very disheartening. Um, all right. Now, we're almost out of time. We, I did want to get to you. Imagine that. <laughs> did want to get to your stuff today over at redstate.com. Um, uh, I'll just, I'm going to just mention the one thing I want to talk about the other. I'm just going to mention your VIP column which is by Biden's ongoing second term indecision creates a real GOP opening hurts Dems. Go over and read that. Won't get into it today, but go over, make sure you read that. I do want to get into your Malcolm on the right um, topic though, because this is hilarious. It has a tie into the news this week. Americans are changing U S politics with their U-Haul trailers. And I mean, I saw a couple of days ago where California has run out of U-Hauls. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Out. I mean, that's, is that what you're picking up on here? Is that the yeah, fact that California yeah, yeah. Is well, it's not just California, but uh, Americans are moving. Now we're a restless people. There's a lot of space to move to and from, uh, and that people have, uh, it, people self-selected themselves who wanted to wander, who wanted to have adventure and, and come to America. This is going back a couple hundred years. Um, so we've always moved around, and for a long time, it was to the west, okay? And the center, the geographic center of American population has been creeping across Missouri. Uh, every um, 10 years, it would be a little bit farther west. Now it's going south. And the reason is uh, more red states in the south for one reason right. and it's it's not that people are seeking republicans they're seeking the economic climate and conditions and laws that republicans favor uh no income tax in texas florida tennessee lower taxes in other places in red state places there are that are run. Their first thought is not how can we get more money to spend on this new idea. Their first thought is how can we cut waste to have more money to put into new ideas. And it's a it's a totally different philosophy. But and I don't say that everybody who rents a U-Haul is thinking where can I go for more hospitable politics, but they're going for a better life, and that and the attention to crime is happening in red states. And California, for the first time since 1850 statehood, lost a representative in the latest election. So they're now at 54 instead of 55, which is still the largest, but Texas got two. And that's a sign of the population growth in Texas, where you live. And they got another extra member because you're there. Right. And they said, we have to influence Morrissey. Yeah, uh, yeah. Morrissey's exactly. got to weigh in on this. That's what. That's, that's right. That's what. That's right. Morrissey says we need more representatives. Um, but it's it's interesting. It was interesting to me. It still is that uh, that Americans are consciously making decisions. Now they always have. I mean, the the blacks went north in the big mag, uh, migrant uh, movement uh, because of the jobs in the big cities, and now they're gone. Uh, the jobs uh, right. in, the, in the big industrial plants and so on. 
So there's been constant movement, but now the main movement is south. And to me, that was really very interesting. And, and it adds political strength to Republicans, to red states. Um, and I think Democrats ignore it um, at their peril. I mean, the, the governor in Florida, he won by 19 points in, yeah. a, in, a, in an era that is so hyper-partisan um, so he got a lot of Democrat votes in Florida. So that well, kind of stuff. Yeah. He was in California last week talking to Californians, telling them that Gavin Newsom is full of baloney. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, euphemism here. Um, and that the reason why people are moving to Florida is because it is better there. And yeah. and that was payback for DeSantis going out to Florida and claiming that, oh, no, California is where it's at, people. No, Newsom. You mean Newsom going to Florida. Newsom going to Newsom going to Florida. I'm sorry, Newsom going to Florida, claiming, oh, you know, California is where it's at. No, it's where it was at. And people <laughs> have figured that out. Yeah, I mean, the crime, the homelessness, the 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 expensive way of living is the regulatory just... environment, the the top down authoritarianism in in California. It's 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 uh, absolutely unsustainable and everybody understands that. And getting back, we'll just tie this up with a bow with media bias. Whenever you see this being discussed, right? The, the big exodus out of California, it's always the same thing. The media always says the same thing. Well, there's, there's a housing crisis going on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there is a housing crisis and, and that's, that adds to the issue. It isn't the housing crisis though. <laughs> It's a, it's a government crisis. It is a governance crisis, and the housing crisis is only one small part of that. Well, um, when you when you continually and repeatedly elect supermajorities, I don't care what the party is. It could be the Mickey Mouse party. Supermajorities create arrogance in power, and yep. they 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 do silly things. They haven't built new reservoirs. On the other hand, by golly, they banned plastic straws and little plastic shampoo bottles in hotels. So they're right on top of the important things. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Indeed. All right. Well, we're just about wrapping up here. It's about the time that we get to the jokes of the week. I don't know if you've got any. No, I've got a, I, got, I got some. I got some. Yeah, I got these are all old now. Okay. Uh, Jay Leno, he said, uh, the price of gas near my house went up to 450 today. And that was while I was pumping. It started at 385. <laughs> <laughs> Just as an antidote, it was, it was, I don't know, three weeks ago, maybe I was driving by the Exxon station locally. And, you know, those lighted signs that have the, well, the law, state law says you got to tell what the price is. And it said um, um, 284, 285. 286 <laughs> as i was watching 287 they were adjusting it and it went up and it went up to uh well it went from 274 to 289 while i was watching it now it's over three but um anyway um uh conan said uh, the oscar show got panned but one highlight was a presentation by 94 he's, he's passed now but 94 year old kirk douglas uh, when the telecast began, he was only 89. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, finally, finally, Conan O'Brien said the artist movie won five Oscars. 
that works out to one Oscar for every person who saw that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still haven't seen that movie. I, I heard it was good. It's an art film, but I, you know, I still have that. That's actually, yeah, I, love it. I guess that's kind of a joke, but I mean, it really is. It's an art film that just doesn't, didn't have a broad, didn't have broad appeal. I'll just say, all right, I got one joke for you. Okay. Top three situations that require witnesses. Number one, crimes. Number two, accidents. Number three, marriages. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's that that makes me cough. That was funny. And we don't we don't tell our wives these jokes, by the way. We just no. you know, we make sure. That, oh, honey, the the show ended at exactly thirty minutes, so you know you don't want to yeah, go. They, you don't have to listen. Yeah, you don't have you to don't listen go. past that. All right. right, Andrew Malcolm, the Prince of Twitter, the Regent of RedState.com, but a married guy just like the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> it was great to have you on. We will talk to you again in two weeks because I'll two I'll weeks. That's right. Okay, thanks. See you, everybody. Thanks for listening. Now that the political infighting is over and the sausage is being made in the House, it's time for Republicans to unite with one cause and fight back against Joe Biden and his radical administration. The GOP has promised to investigate Biden, family corruption, the border, big tech censorship collusion, the origins of COVID, the FBI, and intel agencies' attacks on the American people and more, and it's time to hold them to those promises. Here at Hot Air, we won't let up on holding them accountable. We unapologetically fight back against the radical left and squishy rhinos in Congress who fail the people. We bring you the truth and go to war against Biden's woke communist agenda. But we need your help. By becoming a VIP for uh, hotair.com, you can help us in this battle for our country. Just look at the House Democrats leader, Hakeem Jeffries. He's another divisive radical leftist and his communist Sesame Street speech proves it. If Republicans don't halt the Biden agenda and conservative media fails to hold them accountable, it could mean the end of our great country. Join us in the fight. Become a Hot Air VIP member or a VIP Gold member today and use the promo code SAVEAMERICA to receive a 40% discount on your membership. Stand with us and fight to save America. We will never give up. And thank you very much.